0: No, i guess we'll just uh take it from the top here we go yeah it makes All sense right. to me so <laughs> yes we're here today to talk about miracle a movie that is about sports something that i know nothing about uh-, <laughs> uh matt brought this movie to us uh we thank you matt who is from the moral combat pod uh matt was telling us before a little bit about how he got into hockey Um, you know one of the whitest one of the coldest sports there is (laughs) as someone who is Filipino in Hawaii Um, yeah it seems a little it seems a little weird it seems a little like um, like yeah give us a little bit of that background here
1: yeah so um, it's a really interesting story so like I'm I'm Filipino I'm Hawaiian I'm a large dude Um, this doesn't seem like a match made in heaven Uh, this seems like one of those things that you would just avoid at all costs but uh, when I was a sophomore in high school I actually uh, I I asked this girl to a dance and um, for some strange reason she felt mercy and said yes and uh, decided to go with me and um, we were meeting at a friend's house before the dance and I met her friend's boyfriend there the next week maybe we were at school, and our school had a club day where we needed to have the ability to uh, sign people up for this, the different clubs that we had. And I, And this guy called me out in the middle of the quad and said, hey, I'm running the roller hockey club. I need you to sign up because I need one more signature and show up to the first practice. That's it. If, I, if you show up to the first practice, there's nothing else that you need to do. And so I was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll sign up. And uh, I, I signed up and I went to the first practice and I fell absolutely in love with the sport. Uh, it was just one of those things for me that just it just clicked almost immediately. I was a baseball player growing up and um, I loved to roller skate. And so putting those two things together, it just worked really well for me. So I fell in love with it and haven't looked back since. It's been almost 20 years playing.
0: Awesome. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, getting into, uh, you know, this movie, as far as the background, it is about the uh, U.S. Olympic year was 1980. The Russians were running, you know, just running shit, uh, you know, (laughs) just feeding everyone their own. uh, They were like the
2: unbeatable hockey team. Yeah. For years and years and years, the, the USSR was the unbeatable hockey team.
1: Fifteen and, years, almost twenty, actually.
2: Wow!
0: And so there's uh, a reason for that. <laughs> <yeah.
1: Sorry. laughs> and so yeah,
0: 1980 was the year that uh, you know this is this is a, a, a historical rep- a fictional representation of a historical event, and uh, it is about uh, Herb. I forget his last name. Do we have his last name? Brooks. Thank you, Herb Brooks. Thank you. <laughs> uh, who. Uh, went out on a limb and decided to form a team of, uh, you know, pretty young, pretty fresh uh, hockey players who had not really played at this level before. uh, And, they they took the gold. Uh, they beat that the Russians. spoiler. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. an actual <laughs> event that happened.
2: Unless, unless and a the movie name that's... or the poster gets it away. <laughs> yeah. 40 yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah, the
0: name is called Miracle. The <laughs> event actually happened, uh, you know, over uh, 40 years ago at this point. Uh, and the movie itself is almost 20 years old. So spoilers for all of those things. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, Colin, before, it, we were talking about how this work, movie worked on you, right? It really did. Work... Like, it was, I was kind of going into
2: this a little bit jaded, a little bit, like, well, part of it was I looked at the two hours and 15 minutes runtime
1: <laughs> yeah, and yeah. was saying, like, oh,
2: boy, uh, that this is going to be another, like, boilerplate inspirational coach, like, takes the ragtag team, but, By the end, I was so invested in the sports of it. I was so into this game. I was so into the uh, nationalism, patriotism of it. Like, yeah, (laughs) Team USA! (laughs) We came together as a family. Like, we're not just a bunch of different kids from Boston and Minnesota. Like, we're Team USA and we're going to win. And, like, I got so wrapped up that I really got invested by the end.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, like, the whole, like, patriotism angle of it is – is minimal in terms of the actual motivation for for like Herb, for this team. It's really more about them building together and becoming a team, becoming, you know, a family and just wanting to give their all in this moment because none of them have ever had a shot like this before and none of them knew what was going to happen after this. So uh, there was like some moments where you know they talked about uh you know the a little bit of background like the whole opening scroll of this movie the opening credits of this movie i thought it was going to be more heavy-handed based off of that because it was like this whole uh you know it was like radio broadcasts and like short television clips of um you know all of these like you know different presidential speeches and uh you know and like just kind of giving like Bits and, and pieces like, uh, of the background leading up to like the Cold War and all of that.
2: Yeah, like bits of like here's what's been happening. in like in case you missed the previous episode, here's what's yeah. been happening in the <laughs> yeah, Cold previously
0: <laughs> War. previously on America.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you, Craig, you you nailed it on the head. The, the thing about it is, this movie, I I, I kind of spoiled it a little bit for Cullen when I said this isn't a hockey movie. This is this is a movie. This this hockey team and what they accomplished was really a microcosm of, of geopolitical policies at that point with the Cold War going on. Um, you know, everything was going on. The, and you saw that the Russians beat the U.S. in basketball. Who beats the U.S. in basketball? Like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> that's something that, like, that, that, that is the U.S.'s sport, right? Like, that's, outside of football, it's basketball. And Don't get me started on baseball. Um, but the, the, like, everything just really when you go into it, you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much of this stuff happening leading up to this through the 70s and right up until 1980. And they do such a great job of just setting the scene to let you know why this historical event was important and then letting the, the the team tell the story of why it wasn't necessarily important to them. Like it was just, they were trying to go out and be the better team.
0: Right. And I think it's interesting too, because they, they bring up the, Uh, Well, Herb, when he's talking about how the Russians train, like how the like Canadians train and how all of these teams are based on, you know, the the greater benefit of the team, whereas America at this time for a lot of the sports that they're going to the Olympics for are using like these dream teams of these like individuals who are. Um, you know being highlighted as like the best on their teams and like they're bringing like all of those people and it's more of this like individual individual sense of self when it comes to each of these people is a star like each of these people is a star and now they're being told to come together and minimize that to a certain extent in order to play on a team that is all other stars. It's like when you're the smartest person in your high school, and you go to college, and then all of a sudden, like everyone is like you know as smart as you, and so you're like, <laughs> wait, what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like that, but like you know on the on the sports uh, on the sports side of things, and so it's interesting to see like how he's taking the opposite approach at this time of saying, no, we're going to bring these people who are you know being overlooked to. Are not getting you know the shots there or that they're they bring this thing that's being uh, underestimated or underappreciated to the game and it's all going to work cohesively <clears throat> together because that's what you're supposed to bring when you have a team. It's like not everyone can be the star, not everyone can like not everyone has like every single strength and they have to work together.
3: Yeah, I think that's what I like the most about the movie is that sense of uh they were able to make it feel like understanding being part of a team right and kind of how they play off one another and matt i'm sure you've had that in hockey i've had that in softball where you're all kind of moving like operating as a unit and kind of all together and i think the movie captured that sense really well i I haven't seen that in a sports movie before yeah i think it did that really really well
0: yeah and i think it shows like herb like the way that he coaches uh, which is you know I it's kind of like a <laughs> uh, he's an like asshole a, like a benevolent dictator. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know like he's like he's like I'm gonna he's like I'm doing all this but I'm doing it for your own benefit like and you see uh you see both sides of it because you see him with the team and then you see him turn to Craig his assistant coach and be like yep that's that's Uh, the thing that that's the thing that's gonna work you see you see what happened there and like it like you can see like from point to point like the 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 way that the scenes are set up works really well too because yeah you see him being like this huge like fucking asshole and then (laughs) he like turns around and he's like yep they're they're getting it if they if they hate me enough then they'll they'll focus oh, on hating me here. Instead, of, <laughs> yeah. instead of their own differences. But, <laughs> that they don't that have time
2: anymore. to hate each other because they're all focused so much on hating me. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I
0: wonder that. if that's... Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's the same uh, same tactic he's taking with his family. Um, his actual <laughs> yeah, <right>. around him. <laughs> because um, he's also just like a horrible husband and father in this movie. <laughs> he does not get portrayed very well in that sense. And there's never really any... Uh, resolution on that, like other than his wife, like being happy that they won at the end, <laughs> well, <it's> so, smiling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm I'm glad you brought that up because from for for all intents and purposes, the Herb Brooks that you saw in this movie is a teddy bear compared to the real life Herb Brooks. Like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, no the 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 real Herb Brooks was a was was a real like a real asshole. Like, but he did it because he wanted like there's he was so so jaded like there's a scene in the movie where, that really captures why he's so driven about this um, and they're talking about the fact that he got sent home um, for from the 1960 Olympics in Squaw Valley, which was the last time the US had won a medal in hockey um, and it turns out that he was the last guy cut from the team. He had been put on the team and then for whatever reason, Right, right before Squaw, they let him go. And then he Mm. went home and watched them all win the gold medal. And like, he became really jaded, very driven by this idea. And when he got his shot in in the 80 Olympics, he became hyper-focused on what his goal was at that point. But yeah, he was, from everything I've read, from everything I've heard, um, when it came to his coaching style, not he wasn't he wasn't what you call a players coach he he right. was a uh, he was a, a a results coach
3: yeah well we had that and scene I... where uh go ahead tara I just was gonna. We're probably talking about the same scene. The again, again, again yeah. scene, yeah. right? After they have <laughs> exactly. finished playing a full game, and he's that's just a running.
1: real life thing that happens. I'm
3: sure. I'm sure. And I love just like the filmmaker in me is wondering how many takes of Kurt Russell saying Ooh. "again" they had to shoot, right? Because <laughs> he says it like 40 times. So that means they probably shot like 400 versions of him saying "again, again," and then Noah um, Emmerich blowing the yep. whistle, right? That there's probably thousands of outtakes for that. I I really appreciate that scene. Also, I think that that kind of discipline and drive is really well expressed in this movie, right? I think that that, um, and then it pays off, right? Because they're like, oh, they're in the third period and they're holding up, right? And they're able, they're out skating the Russians because of all that drill, yeah. Yeah. Do you
1: know what those are called now?
3: Uh Any hockey player knows. Those are drills?
1: Yeah, they're called Herbie's. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
1: because of her brooks
3: nice so have you done a lot of herbies in your i've own? done a
1: lot of herbies they're the worst oh my god the real life version of that scene was really interesting too because like um you know Eurizioni caps that scene off with that with that really big emotional outburst of you know mike Eurizioni, who do you play for us united states of america that part didn't happen uh that was clearly like you know Dramatized. hollywood yeah yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> apparently um That whole scene, uh, uh, Craig Patrick, who is the assistant coach, he's like, I wasn't even on the ice. There was like four or five guys that were not even playing that game that were like, we need to go get our stuff on and get on the ice with these guys. And he's like, no, it'll be done in a few minutes. He skated Herbie's on them for an hour. (laughs) They had to do Herbie's for an hour. And those are the worst, the worst drill you can do. They are, oh, they're they're torture. I hated doing those.
0: Yeah, I, and I think uh, to backtrack a little bit, uh, speaking like when he was cut from the team at the last minute and now looking back on it, like I remember that scene with Ralph standing out for me and like I didn't really like put two and two together, but like, it, like Ralph is like him in that moment and he now has to do to Ralph mm-hmm. like the 21st player when he can only send 20 people after Ralph has been there for like, months and months at this point, like they're just like a couple months away from the games and he has to cut this last person. And yeah, now he's in that same position of being on the other end of that. And um, yeah. And I think it's because as a character uh, he doesn't really have a a lot of emotional range, um, which is, you know, intentional. (laughs) Uh, And so I don't think like it really like hit me until you just gave me that context uh, and so that makes sense of of why that
3: scene did kind of stand out still. yeah, definitely. And I really I was reading about the film, and they hired hockey players instead of actors because they thought mm-hmm. it would be easier to train. The hockey players to act than the actors to <laughs> play hockey, and it took 133 players to kind of be able to um, kind of recreate all these moments, which I thought was kind of a fascinating approach. Usually, you know, and that Kurt Russell was always uh, Matt. I don't know if you know more about this, but I know that when they were writing the screenplay, they were like, "It has to be Kurt Russell because we need someone who is an athlete themselves and can get all fiery, <laughs> right?" Yes. <laughs> and so- yeah, the
1: role the role was written for him. You were correct.
3: Yeah, cause, and I think he's the perfect person for it, right? And, he, yeah.
2: He is perfect work because also Kurt Russell is charming enough that as Herb is being as much of an asshole as Herb is through the entire movie, you still like him because yes. Kurt Russell still <laughs> has that level of charmingness. Like Kurt Russell still makes you be like, well, oh, I mean, yeah, he's a dick and he's like not a very good uh, husband or father, but... He's Kurt Russell. I mean, how can you stay mad at <laughs> Kurt Russell?
3: Yeah, if this were played by like Sean Penn halfway through the movie, you'd be like, this guy's so much a dick, I'm turning it off, right?
0: <laughs> also, I, I love... Oh, go ahead, Colin. Oh, sorry. E-
2: even when he's being a dick to Patricia Clarkson, who I love Patricia yes. Clarkson in everything <laughs> she's ever in. Patricia Clarkson is so great. And she does a good job of being like the... the infinitely understanding wife in this movie that you're like wow I don't know how much he deserves you Patricia Clarkson but I'm I'm glad you're hanging in there yeah
3: (laughs) yeah (laughs) support endless support and
0: it's like a recurring theme uh because it's actually just you know a thing that happens in society of uh you know a man is expected to you know pursue his dreams um you know at any cost uh, as long as he's, like, passionate about, uh, passionate enough about it and it, it has the potential to, uh, you know, achieve enough, then it's fine for him to, like, completely leave, like, the raising of the family to his wife, regardless of any, like, dreams that she might have had. Uh, and <laughs> I just think that, like, this, I wrote, like, this is the classic performance of the put-upon wife taking care of everything while the husband pursues his dreams, uh, you know, like, and it's always that one scene of, like, uh, and it's always, like, preceded by, like, a can you pick up the kids or, like, you forgot to pick up the kids. <laughs> yeah. It's usually, like, the moment where, like, things, like, blow up. And then, like, afterwards, it's, like, things blow up. And then it's, like, oh, the husband comes back and it's, like, let's have, like, a reasonable talk where, like, I calmly tell you that I'm still going to be a piece of shit after blowing up at you. Because he still is, like, <laughs> you know, honey, like, this is just, like, my dream and I got to go for it. And she's, like... I know, honey. Like, and like that happens so much in like movies where it's like, it's such yep, a trope.
4: Oh
3: my god. Yep. It's, yes. Oh but it's actually gosh. just like a real
0: thing that also happens, like,
3: which is sad. But you know, yes, there, there are there six articles in the new york times this week about oh women my god the losing their like, shit yeah it has yes. really blown that up
0: of yes. uh women are still having to on top of everything else that's happening right now are still the people who like even if they're working even if they're the breadwinners still have to like are still the people who are like forced to take care of the household and the children more so than the men regardless of income on any level yep it's across yeah, the it's board wild. it's
3: it's the pandemic has taken that trope that we see in that movie and exploded it yeah. right and just made it front and fucking center. Yeah. Yay.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: All right, hockey.
2: <laughs> All that said, I, I still really like this movie. All that said, I still found her to be a, 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 if not likable, at least sympathetic character.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no. Like I again, yeah. like the movie. I was I was surprised at how much I I, I really enjoyed this movie, um, because yeah, none of it at face value is something that like would really like capture my interest. Uh, yeah. And so like as I was watching it and like felt myself like progressively becoming more invested, and by the end like legitimately like being excited by that like final game like that scene it was like oh yeah this is like actually doing a really good job as a movie to like give like these universal themes like these themes of like teamwork of coming together to like achieve a goal like just do that in this specific story but tying in that universal that universality to it so i enjoyed
3: it i I was still um still pleasantly surprised. <laughs> One of the things that I had a hard time with, so Matt, this is maybe where you can help, is I had a really hard time telling the players apart. They were all kind of like. Oh yeah, that that I was like I I let that go. Like yeah, I had no idea who anyone was. That just works with the theme
0: of the movie, you know. They're all just one team, you know. They're just 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 (laughs) Except for the pretty one, who like I love how they were like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna like try and convince you that this character who's like literally like the most attractive actor in the movie is like gonna somehow not be in the final game. Like, you know, when he like, it's, uh, he's like, OC. Uh,
1: Jack O'Callaghan.
0: Yeah. Like when he like, you know, hurt his knee and like, you know, one of like the, the preliminary games um, and I, and they're like, oh yeah. You know, you might not be able to play. I was like, nah, he's too pretty in, in this movie. Not he's coming player. back. Like,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> Here's the thing though. That also happened in real life. He, uh, he, he tore some, uh, some ligaments apparently right before the Olympics started, maybe in the, even in the first round uh, when they were going up against Sweden. And like he was going through five-a-day intense therapy to try and get back, and he made it back just in time for the, uh, for the game against, uh, uh, against the USSR and then the subsequent game against Finland, um, which is the crazy part about this movie when you think about it, is you, when you're going to the Olympics, you're going to win the gold. But the whole crux of this movie is about the semifinal game. Right. Like, yeah. this isn't even about that. <laughs> and, and I think the thing I love the most is, like, in real life, after everything that happened in this movie, the one thing they didn't include this movie, probably because hashtag Disney, um, is that his final speech right before the gold medal game, he, he gave that, that, that speech he gave against the USSR, real life happened, word for word, verbatim. That's the speech he gave. The speech he gave uh, in the gold medal game He literally looked at his players and said, if you lose this game, you'll take it to your fucking graves. (laughs) Then he paused for three seconds and said, your fucking graves, gentlemen.
3: Okay, well, that needs to be in the movie. Yeah, like, like I just, yeah, just like, I would
0: love just a smash cut to that, like <laughs> yeah. like of just like that, and then they and then they give like the you know the the post uh, afterthought, you know, the epilogue type of deal that they do in like every documentary, um, like like just like yeah, because literally the. The gold was an afterthought in this movie. It was like, oh yeah, and they also want, beat Finland to win the gold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <But> they, <laughs>
3: it's like ten still... seconds. It's like ten seconds of the movie. Oh, by the way, they won a
2: gold medal in well, another they, game. <laughs> they beat Finland to win the gold, but they still came from behind. Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: They, they were, they they were, were still losing a in the Finland first and game. And were, we're not going to show it to you, people. but just know they almost <laughs> lost it, but they won it. <laughs>
3: yeah i feel like that there's some elements of this movie going back to they kind of keep checking in with reality of like what's happening in the cold war and kind of jimmy carter talks a lot in this which is kind of an unusual move and as i was watching it i was like i bet because I, I didn't know what year it came out. I was like, I'm going to guess that this was rushed into production right after 9 11. And so I looked it up, and yes, it was, right? That it was in that same context of America's down. We got to have America get back up again and have a reason to be chanting USA, USA, <laughs> waving American flags, right? And that. Yeah, that being in September 11th, you know, in New York on 9-11, like the time after that was like, you could not go anywhere and not see an American flag. Like it was obscene how many American flags and then places where people were also from, Puerto Rican flags, et cetera, et cetera. But I I I had this sneaking suspicion. I was like, I bet this all went into production like September 12th, right? Like the day after. (laughs) And lo and behold, that is kind of the timeline for how they did it. So I think that... In, in like another version of this movie could keep cutting to America in 2002 right, right. <laughs> as, as a kind of another cultural layer of, of why that movie was made when it was yeah
1: it's weird I, though because like you say that and and I can even like you look at the beginning of that the, the look at the beginning of the movie yeah we keep talking about that whole like intro doesn't it feel like most of those headlines could have been produced in like the last year year yes, and a half yeah. two years
4: <laughs> yes. like it totally. just feels like
1: we're always in this cycle of uh, what we're doing what's gonna happen now right yeah,
3: yeah it definitely had the like okay well like take all this terribleness and multiply it by a pandemic right and so every time they were chan- they did like the number one thing at the you know end of the film where they're all like having their number yes. one up and i was like yeah so america we're number one in covid spread That's what we got today. We're number one. The worst thing to be number one at. Still number one, though. Still number one. Matt, I have a question for you. Sure. For me, at least, there was... There were no zambonis in this movie, and I love watching the zamboni. uh, Everyone does. does. So, where would you have inserted a zamboni into this movie?
1: (laughs) Uh, Honestly, it would have been while they were trying to do Herbies. I would have, because there was a zamboni in that scene. It was he was he goes back there and there's a zamboni when he's getting ready to shut the lights off. If I was the rink manager at that point, I would have rolled the zamboni out on the ice and just turned that into. (laughs)
0: Nice. <laughs> just, just start running him down You're
2: like yeah I told you guys to get off the ice like yeah we yeah. shut off the lights you want to do so drills
0: I'll, start... I'll make you drill for your life like... life yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> like a lawn bower
2: to go home we need to clean the ice and like shut down I'm just going to start cleaning the ice whether you guys are yeah. out here or not
3: I really, and going back to the kind of ice, I love the detail. I think it's the Russian or the USSR goalie when, yes. when they, what is that called where you like chuff the ice in front of the yeah. goal to get more, you know, get more, so that's so slick. What is that called?
1: I don't remember what it's I mean, basically you're just, you're just, you're just chopping up the ice to give yourself more, uh, you're actually doing it to give yourself more grip as a yeah. goalie uh, because a fresh sheet of ice, it, it, it is as close to a frictionless, frictionless surface as there is on the planet Earth. And if you are a goalie, the last thing you want is to be frictionless going from post to post. It's <laughs> slip sliding, good. slipping. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. But I loved that little detail, right? In terms of like thinking about the craft of filmmaking that's going mm-hmm. on here. I think that's why it worked on all of us was that there... you know, I, I could give two shits about hockey. Sorry, <laughs> but That's I, fair. Do, I do like watching real, like in-person hockey. Like I like that, right? But oh yeah, you know, I don't, I don't watch sports on TV ever. But that that little detail, all those little details about the game itself, really kind of pulled me into the movie.
1: So let me, so let me set the scenes for you for for myself. So this movie came out in February of two thousand and four. Um, so literally 17 years ago, almost to the day, actually, uh, because it was to celebrate quote unquote, the 24th anniversary of the miracle on ice The miracle on ice took place on February 22nd, 1980. Uh, so we're coming up really close on that right now. I at the time am an 18 year old uh, kid in high school, uh, in February, in December of 2003, I had just lost my mother to cancer just like Jim Craig in the movie. And I'm sitting in the movie theater watching one of the stories that I love, a real life story that I love, uh, and seeing it take place in front of me and having this character who I can now relate to so much, because at the time I was still technically playing goalie. and watching him like just go through all this and then his father in the stands and i'll tell you what guys like it's been a little while since i've actually sat down and watched the movie because i know the movie pretty much front to back but i started i I started catching some details like that moment i I watched it on saturday or friday night um and that moment where his dad is in the stands and they and he they win the gold man that one hits different today with the kids i'll tell you what That one is real different today. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, the you were talking about the um, the craftsmanship of of how to make the film, right? And I think for me, that moment of 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 the goalie cutting up the ice is one thing, but the actual scenes where they're playing, that isn't just like you said that that these are hockey players that were taught how to act. Those are actual thing like the amount of skill that is taking place in those shots is ridiculous like chipping a chipping the puck up the boards and or saucer passing where it comes off the ice and lands on the other person's stick that is really hard to do and they're doing that in in multiple continuous shots where they're chipping up the ice and then passing to this dude and this dude's dangling and then they're doing touch passes back and forth like really high quality actual play within those particular scenes and putting that on display with the background of the real life soundtrack of the miracle on ice with al michaels and ken dryden was just Mm. mm, chef's kiss so perfect for me as a sports fan
2: not even just that just just watching these actors i mean not even actors you said they're they're all actual hockey players but watching them do herbies like over Uh. and over and over again for what must have been take after take after take after take of them doing those herbies like these guys actually had to have the physical conditioning that they're representing in this film because the the whole film is about like uh, we might not be the most technically skilled team but we i guarantee we're going to be the most physically conditioned team on that ice and you watch these guys go through that in the movie in real time it's that's another thing that really worked for me in it
0: yeah, and that's like uh, you know we see like especially now with like all of the you know MCUification of actors, um, like I don't think that like any of them could even really like do this because a lot of that is like the aesthetic muscle, like the aesthetic like gym like, muscles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like the the actual like like fully like you know conditioned like that would be like. Yeah, take, like, years of, like, actually having a base built up of, like, being able to (laughs) execute that time and time and time and time again. So, uh, yeah, it it shows in the level of, like, authenticity in this movie that, yeah, these are people who actually play the game, who actually have been conditioned to, like, (laughs) run these drills time and time again.
3: Yeah. And that's why I think that, you know, I, these two, my normal co-hosts always hear me complain about Marvel Universe and boy fighting, right? Like, why does it always end in punching, right? And that I don't believe any of that punching anyway, because they're just gym muscles, right? There's no power there. But that's one of the things I really liked, as you said, Matt, was that I don't know that much about the technique of hockey, but what they're doing looks really skilled, right? Including
0: and the, that pleasure. fight.
1: Pleasure. <laughs> yeah, including the <laughs> fight, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: I was going to bring up
3: the boy fight for you, Ty.
0: Because that, <laughs> that was literally a boy fight. It was, just like... it was a
1: boy fight.
3: And it was good. I was like, here's a good boy fight. There we go. <laughs> like, let's but
2: there's, watch- there's, there's actual emotion and there's actual character behind it. it it's like this early moment on before these They're a team and they're coming together like these two have like legit beef with each other and they're going to have it out on that ice. And Herb just lets them as a part of like, yeah, this is going to be a necessary step in these guys coming together as a team. So we're just going to have to let this happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That catharsis just has to like pour out so that way we can move on to the next thing. (laughs)
1: And that I'm... and that that happened too. Like that was <laughs> that whole thing, like well, the, the beauty of this movie is that like not many times. I, I could actually, there's less times that I have to explain to you that this didn't happen than it did happen. Mm. Like, that's the beauty of this movie. That happened because in 76, uh McClanahan did take a cheap shot at Jack O'Callaghan in the in the playoffs, and he and, and O'Callaghan held that against him for years, for four years he held that against him. <laughs> And then when he got his shot back at him, he's like, I'm taking my shot. And that's the kind of stuff that happens all the time in hockey. Like you go, you go to my beer league right now where we're just, where we're chugging beers after the game. There are guys that will not come near our team. And there are guys that we will not go near. Like, because there's just some of those people that you just hate because of the things that they do on the ice, because they're just such a dickhole, And you're like, why, why are you here? Like, especially in a beer league, like we all pay to play. We all got to go to work tomorrow, bro. Like, why are you here doing this? Like, Yes. You shot me in the ankle one more time. <laughs> yeah, that's why I
3: quit my, you know, beer league softball team, co ed softball team, because some of the dudes just took it so seriously and would be such. It's like we're having, I have a beer on second base right now, right? <laughs> like this is not <laughs> a professional level. Oh. Like everybody, <laughs> yeah, people are talking about the four holding a grudge for four years. Well, as a, someone who's an academic in my day job, woof, you want to see some uh, beef. I know <laughs> faculty who haven't spoken to one another in 20 years, right? Because of some shit that happened, you know? Woof, academics and sports, it's like the two folks who can really hold a grudge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think that what we're finding out here is, uh,
0: you know, just again, the the universality of it all, you know? It yes. all transcribes.
3: <laughs> like... <laughs> Well, and that's what, like, it follows every movie, like sports movie trope cliche, and it does it well, right? You've got the like ragtag group, you've got the training montages, you've got the, you know, rising speech at halftime, even though it's not halftime, right? And that you have all of that and it still works, right? It still is a compelling story. Um, I often like to think of sports movies as being like romance films and that there's a really tight, definition of what makes them work well right and that the kind of tears that happen tears of joy the couple gets together or the team wins at the end right that, and that they're very gendered as opposites that way but I kind of watched this as a romance film <laughs> right and it was like it's working call. for me' <laughs> it's it working works. for me it works, it works. that way
4: yeah.
1: um I, I want to ask you guys so I want to provide some context do you I know no one here is like the big raw raw sports person that 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 they might want might might not be on my level of that level, but <laughs> the to say that this was a David versus Goliath situation is kind of understating it because the USSR. Do you guys, like? Are you guys familiar with with the USSR and their their training program um, prior to basically 1990?
3: Tell us, tell us. Yes. Okay,
1: so um, the in ni- in nineteen ninety, uh, the the U.S. decided to start sending dream teams, and that's kind of a footnote in the in the back end of this movie. Before that point, it was all amateurs. You had to come from college. You could not be professional. You could not have an agent representing you. You could not have declared for the draft. You can't do any of these things, right? jim craig talks about that in uh in the front end of it because he's like hey i'm uh, i'm getting calls from the atlanta team they want me and i'm my dad's you know just lost his job um the ussr at that point forbid any of their athletes from going to the united states to play so all of the professional athletes in russia were still considered amateur and all of the hockey players specifically the russian red army is what they were called um were born into this system and trained from a young age to be the best players on the planet, and they ate, slept, drank, hockey all day long. That's all they did. Um, Sergey Makarov was one of the guys in this in, in on the USSR team in 1980. Uh, he was one of the first guys to break down the barrier between the North American sports and uh, and Europe at that point, and he actually. Went and gave one of my favorite players because he played for the Sharks. Um, But he was talking about it and said, that's all we did. We just literally played hockey all day long. We were the best players in Russia and we weren't allowed to go play anywhere else. So that's why everyone was getting dismantled by this team was because Russia had kind of cornered the market on a Canadian sport, which was really weird to say out loud, um, and just (laughs) was dominating at it. And all of that context is not really brought into play in the front of the movie. You're just told these guys are an unstoppable team. And it's because for 20 years from 1960, when the last time the U S won that won the gold uh, up until basically 1990, all the Russians did was train. That's all they did. Um, it was really, it's really crazy to think. And it was really effective because even Makarov came over to the sharks and at 36 years old, His rookie season in the NHL won the NHL Rookie of the Year at the age of 36. So now they made a rule that says, 36. They made a rule (laughs) that you you have to be under 25. You have to be under 25 now in the NHL because of Makarov.
3: Oh, I love it when the, I I have some stuff about the NHL later, but like, I love it when they change the rules because someone does something exceptional.
1: Right. (laughs) If you bring up Sean Avery.
3: Yep. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, it's interesting to hear that because I, I guess I know that on the gymnastics side, right, like the kind of history of Cold War gymnastics training, but I didn't realize that it applied to hockey as well, but that makes total sense.
2: Yeah, but, but they, I mean, this extends to other things beyond sports that uh, the Soviets also did that with ballet. The Soviets did that with boxing that they did it with everything where like they would just have it was part of their national identity because the, the Soviets kind of wanted to Present themselves as these supermen. So, if there was going to be a thing, they were going to have somebody who spends their entire life training to do that thing.
3: Yeah. And I, I I would love to see actually a companion film, which is the rush, you know, the other team's version of oh, yeah. losing this. Like that actually would be totally fascinating because I love the pettiness is universal comment thing. Yes, and then I wonder. I would love to see kind of the emotional roller coaster that went on on the other side of this, right? Of kind of seeing- here's
1: the crazy part. They didn't even care. It, it was just like. They they had been this unstoppable force for so long, and um, they you know they're there at the Olympics. There was actually uh, there was uh, I think they call it the most famous game of Centipede in the world was the night before the U.S. took on the USSR. Sergey Makarov and Jim Craig were down in the arcade of the Olympic Village playing Centipede, <laughs> and against each <laughs> other, and they couldn't even talk to each other because you know Makarov's only speaking Russian at that point. They just grunts and nods. And after they lost that game, like, you saw a few of them look pretty upset. The, the coach was pissed because, you know, he was probably going to be executed. It's USSR. Um, but the 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 players, they were just like, good game, guys. Like, good game. I, and awesome. I, I I was floored by that. Like, I guess I, I would have thought this would have been, like, a new emotion for them. Like, we don't know what happens when the other team's score is hard, hard, higher than ours. Like... Yep.
2: <laughs> this has literally never happened to us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: a it's a new feeling. It's a novel thing. We're so happy about it because it's different. Oh, Rocky Rocky Four is semi factual. I like that.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes thank you, Johnny.
3: <laughs> huh, that's fascinating. Because I guess you're right that they're they're kind of they probably uh, what's the word respected getting losing to a team that was outplaying them, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Ooh. All right, so I had a question. Um, the only hockey I've ever played was in middle school, and it was just casual, like, put on rollerblades and play in a, a tennis court until you get kicked off of the tennis court for rollerblading sure. in it. Um, but if you're actually on the ice, can you hear your coach from the bench, like, shouting instructions? you're like, oh, no, I'm above the middle. Do like," Because it seems like you wouldn't be able to hear your coach shouting from the bench if you're, like, out in the middle of the ice.
1: It depends. It really depends. Um, if you if you've got a coach like uh, like her Brooks, yeah, you you can hear them. Um, you, you can usually catch them when, when you're going back to back and forth. <laughs> um, some coaches are, are quiet, but for the most part, you can you can hear them make, making call-outs. Uh, if you go to a game and you're close enough to the um, to the benches, like every once in a while, you hear it. But honestly, for the most part, the coaches don't do a lot of yelling to the plays on the, on the ice. Most of that coaching takes place on the bench in between shifts, uh, with just quick little conversations that are happening. Hey, by the way, you are out there and you missed your, you missed your guy coming down the center. They've been driving, they've been driving the puck down the left wing the entire night. We need to, we need our defensemen to get back and pinch back there quicker to be able to recover the puck before they get there. Like those things happen on the bench. Um, you may every once in a while get a a, a a yell out of if somebody's blowing coverage, like, oh, he's open. <laughs> or, right? Those things happen, but not like call outs of what's happening necessarily.
3: I, I have another question for you, if you don't mind. Because this sure. is something I was always so curious about, is what is it like? like, what is the emotional experience or whatever of being in the penalty box, like getting thrown <laughs> into the <laughs> penalty box? <laughs> You're in timeout. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're in timeout. Like, what is that like?
1: <laughs> let me let me let me tell you a story.
3: <laughs> <laughs> please, <right>. please do.
1: <laughs> there's a few ways that this happens. Um, so I I've been uh, my my team has uh, has renamed uh, if you if you if you follow the NHL, there's a an award called the Lady Bing. Uh, it's essentially m- named for uh for Lady Bing, and it's for the most gentlemanly play in the league, uh, which means that you get the least amount of penalties. And I have perennially won it on my team for the last 15 years. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't normally end up in the penalty box. But when I do, (laughs) there's usually something big that's happened. Um, I was, there was this guy that just, for whatever reason, ran a cheap shot on one of my guys. And he'd been running cheap shots all night long. And he ran this cheap shot and I was going into the corner, corner boards of them. And he turned around and I was about two feet away from him. Full speed ran him over the ref who was actually the owner of the rink at that point comes over and goes, all right, that's, that's a five minute major. And like, I'm sitting down in the box. It's not even a two minute minor or a double minor. It's a five minute major. I'm definitely going to be sitting here for the next five minutes. I'm like, (laughs) No, that one felt good. That one, that one felt good. <laughs> but there are other times when you do something and you're like, oh, that was stupid. Like now I got to see. Uh, how much are we up by enough? Or are we down by enough where they can just score and I won't feel bad for the full two minutes? Or can, am I going to have to sit here the entire time and think about what an idiot I was in this clear Goldfish bowl where everyone can see me and how right. shameful I feel. Right <laughs> now. Yes, that's why it's so fascinating. Is
3: you're in timeout and everyone's
1: watching like, you. It's <laughs> like, uh, you have to sit in the bad boy box. The you know, like, unless, unless you're behind the penalty box, like as a as a as a person in the stands, you don't really care too much about the penalty box. But the problem is, is that at least on my rink, the penalty box is right next to my bench. So it's like, I'm sitting here like this and all of my guys are right over here on my right, just going, hey, Matt, what'd you do that for? What, why, like, he, he was by you. you. You didn't have to like try and pick his ankle with your stick. I didn't try to pick... you know what? I'm paying attention to the game. Pay attention to the game. There's stuff happening on the ice right now. Don't look at me, look at the puck. You're up, Sanderson, you're up next. Get out of the ice, go score or something. Jesus, kill this off so I just leave me alone.
3: I think all sports should have a penalty box. This would be so much more fun. (laughs) I'm going to watch the Super Bowl later today and imagine, Oh, you're going in timeout. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's something I've always been so curious about. It sounds just (laughs) as fascinating as I thought it might be. (laughs) I also,
0: I think it's interesting too. I'm, I'm not sure again, like if this is something that happens in a lot of other sports, but seeing this like how quickly people are like rotated like in and out of the game was really interesting to see like i i don't yeah i don't know if i've ever seen that like it's it felt like most games i feel like have like a kind of like stop and start kind of like play system where like yeah when that happens you can make those changes but this one was like all right we need like we we can pull this person out and put that person in like like with five seconds left on, you know, the, the, the clock, <laughs> it, it, it was wild.
1: <laughs> and that's, and that's, I mean, that's a part of the draw to this game is how fast it is um, for me. And it's, it's true that the, the amount of um, coordination it takes, because you can get a penalty real easy if you don't do that, right. I've definitely, definitely been a six man on the ice on accident. Um, but the, the reason why that is is because the coaches and especially someone like herb brooks you're supposed to be out there for like a minute at tops like your shifts should be a minute unless you're a defenseman um forwards are usually about a minute and you're expected to skate as hard as you can for that full minute that's why herbies are, are so effective at conditioning because you are basically doing high uh it's basically hit high intensity interval training right like you are expected to go as hard as you can for a minute, then come back and get a three-minute rest or a two-minute rest or whatever. Maybe however many lines are rotating at that time. And if you, and that's why it has to be that fast because you're just exhausted by the end of that. Uh, if you happen to score, great. Get the hell off. Like you shouldn't be on the ice anymore. You've done your job. Um, it is exhausting sometimes though getting over the boards. That is so tough. Like actually climbing over those boards to go back yeah. in is the worst. <laughs>
3: I know I'm like, why don't
1: you have a little door? <laughs> we, there, there is a door. I know. I know but I know, if you I use know. the door, you get made fun of. Fun of I know. <laughs> 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 That's legitimately happened to me on a couple of occasions. I literally went and scored like a goal, just a ridiculous goal. And I'm coming back. And I went through the door and they're like, Oh, superstar needs to go through the door. Like, hey, I just scored. We're winning now. What are you doing? Get out there. <laughs>
3: Well, I hope that someday when we all get to be in person again, I would love to come see you play hockey because I actually love watching hockey live because I, it's I so really fast. I like watching hockey. Yeah. Yes. It's so fast and there's something about the, like, sounds of being able to hear the ice and just kind of... Oh. I, I was very, very lucky. I got free tickets to Madison Square Garden, like, in the, like, four rows back, like, Tyra Banks was sitting in front of me. <laughs> like,
1: Perfect and, spot. And
3: at, at Madison Square Garden, it was amazing. It, you know, as not much of a sports fan, it was actually... Thrilling and so exciting. Yeah.
2: My own personal story with the sport of hockey is that I was like, I don't know, probably 12 or 13 when the Colorado Avalanche kind of had their renaissance, uh, when they kind of came back and and Patrick Waugh was in his heyday of uh, he was at the time. And Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Is he still not the winningest goalie of all time?
1: No, he's not. Matt Martin Brodeur broke that record. Okay. Um He's still the craziest goalie of all time. That's for yes. sure.
2: <laughs> but, but at least at the time we had like a, a really good lineup and we had the best goalie in the game and uh, the Colorado Avalanche were like a legit good team that was out winning championships. And so I was, I was getting into hockey and that's when I was starting to play roller hockey when I was on my rollerblades and and my dad being the, the dad that he is, when I wanted to get a hockey stick, like invest a, a decent amount of money and a good hockey stick was like all right well first we're going to go out and make sure that you can skate backwards because if you want to play hockey we want you to play any sport, any position so you have to be able to play defensemen. So you have to be able to skate as well like backwards as you can forwards and so it was a one of those things with me and my dad just going out you know skating
4: <laughs> um
2: yeah, but it's a, a fond memory of mine like learning to skate backwards because my dad's like yeah you want to play hockey like make sure you can skate backwards too
1: it's a good call it's solid I, I take my son out and now we We hit the ice every once in a while. We haven't gone since the pandemic hit, but we used to go out really early in the mornings on Fridays before school. Uh, He's actually got a friend that um, plays, a classmate of his that that plays hockey too. So uh, I I love going out with him and just getting on the ice with him. Uh, It's really funny to watch him because my son is overly confident about everything he does and just watching him get brought down to size every (laughs) once in a while and it's not me doing it. It's just one of those moments where you go, man, kid, I've been telling you. (laughs) I love you. You'll, you'll get over this. I promise you. The universe (laughs) is teaching you right now.
3: (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, one of the things again, going back to the kind of details of the game that I really liked in the movie was seeing the, I think it's the USSR goalie warm up and be able to do like bend knees down to touch the ice like that. It's like one shot where they're just kind of warming up. I loved seeing all the kind of, you know, catching a tennis ball stuff, you know, over and over again. That's actually when, you know, Jim goes to baseball games. I'm agnostic about baseball, but uh my favorite part is going early to watch them warm up and like watch the catcher warm up because, you know, having seven or eight balls being thrown at you constantly, it, it's just kind of fascinating to see that type of training. So I I like I I like me a good training montage. <laughs> so <Hey>. like, <laughs> this this film does the training montage well.
1: I agree. I and that was um you know, as someone who started as a goalie, I, I really question most goalies sanity because like you got a lot of gear on, but if that puck hits you in the right spot, it hurts guys. It hurts a lot. <laughs> like you get hit in the collarbone, man. That's, that's, that's a bruise for about a month. It, it ain't no fun. But the the way you have to train for goalie is crazy. Like you were talking about the, the tennis balls. That's, that's a big one. Um, during warmups, you know, a lot of times you'll get them. You you have to treat each of your extremities as its own separate quadrant like your left hand is my I'm is my catcher so anything in the top left corner I'm catching anything in the bottom right corner I'm trying to kick with my leg like I can't cross myself over like I'm playing baseball which is what I grew up playing to try and do that (laughs) um so it's, it's always it's always super interesting to see that
3: yeah, and that kind of limb independence is really mm-hmm. totally fascinating. I, I, I have that with me when I watch musicians too, right? Especially drummers be able to have.
1: Oh, of, gosh. Yeah. I'm, I'm in awe of drummers. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome um i don't have any more notes on the movie uh, if anyone else does let us know if you uh, got any final
2: thoughts i have my my last two things one is that um a good portion of this movie takes place in colorado springs right uh do do any of y'all know why the olympic the united states olympic training center is Ooh. located in colorado springs and still is
1: Pick me. Matt. High altitude training, sir. Because of the altitude. It's
2: exactly <laughs> yeah. because of the altitude. <laughs> so, yes, the, the Olympic Training Center for the United States is in Colorado Springs. I, I go by it all the time because I'm often doing surveying work in Colorado Springs. But anytime I go down there, I'm like, hey, the, the Olympic Training Center, it, it's still there. But yes, they, they do train in Colorado Springs because of the high altitude. Um, my last thing is I, I do enjoy hockey, but I have never understood icing. So Matt, as somebody who, <laughs> who plays hockey, understands hockey, I want you to treat me like a five-year-old and explain this penalty to me. What is okay. icing?
1: Okay, so uh, if you look at the rink, uh, you have that center center ice line, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, if you as a player take the puck and send it down the length of the ice past the goal line on the opposite end without first getting over the center ice line, that is called icing. And the reason why that's a penalty is because, and it is because if a team's up to nothing or one, nothing and they just keep getting the puck in their defensive zone and keep throwing it down the ice from there and all the way down to the other end, it it's creates a very boring product one, because then now they're just chasing the puck back. Two, it creates a really unfair advantage at that point. Um, so they said you have to get the puck to center ice before you're allowed to chip it all the way past the goal line on the opposite end.
2: Okay, that now Aww. makes it now makes sense to me. Okay,
0: That's, now
1: explain it to it's me not like soccer. I'm
0: a
2: 3-year-old. Okay. <laughs> okay,
0: okay so.
1: You see the guy on the shiny blades? <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh so it's kind of like a combination of offsides in soccer and like why you have to get the basketball past the halfway the mid court within 10 seconds or whatever it's a stalling technique right yes it's a stalling stalling.
1: technique the only time it's allowed is if you are on the penalty kill so if you're if you're down uh four four players to five or three players to five at that point you can ice the puck as much as you want, and it's not a penalty because you're already at a disadvantage at that point.
3: Makes sense. Ah, that was really clear. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. I've always wondered that too. And thanks for asking too, Colin, because I've never <laughs> really known what that rule was about. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, um, Colin, do you have
2: any stats for us? I do. Uh, this movie has a 7.5 on IMDb. It has a 68 on Metacritic. It has an 81% Rotten Tomatoes and a 90% Audience Tomatoes.
3: USA. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how this movie did internationally. I'm kind of curious. That would be thing to look
0: up. <laughs> I you check out the Russia. Russian stats? Yeah, yeah. yeah right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like, yeah, Russian Rotten Tomatoes, just like yep. <laughs> negative 10%. <laughs> yeah.
3: So uh, Matt, we, I usually, you know, give recommendations. Like if you like this movie, you might like these other movies, which I think you'll probably be a lot better at than I am in this uh, sports ball land. But I, I'm curious if, how you feel about the movies that, the sports movies that I like. So I'm really sure. curious to hear your thoughts. I really love Moneyball. I mean, I've read the book multiple times, I like but energy. I really, it's a it's about baseball, but it's really about math <laughs> and it's about yes. changing the game. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: As someone who has made a living uh, as a statistical analyst,
3: Moneyball is a great movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in fact,
3: I, I reread it like once a year, and I actually do all the math in it too because it's so, so much fun. It's like a nerd's dream. Uh, yes, Bull, Bull Durham. How do you feel about Bull Durham?
1: I have not seen Bull Durham in such a long time that I I couldn't I could not talk about it. Um, from what I remember, it was, it was it's considered a classic in the, in the sports circles, but I haven't seen it in so long. I couldn't really comment. I might have to go watch it now though.
3: I think you should, because I rewatched it a couple of years ago and it holds up and yeah. there's a romance in it. They're late, It passes the Bechdel yeah. test.
1: <laughs> <It's just laughs> not
3: unusual for movies about sports ball. Um, Hoop Dreams. How Have you seen
1: that? I've never seen Hoop Dreams.
3: Oh, this is usually considered the best sports movie. It's a documentary, but I think you might love it. It's really good. Oh. And- it kind of brings in race and class and all kinds of stuff like for anyone who hasn't i would highly recommend Hoop dreams um bring it on the cheerleading movie how do you feel about that one
0: (laughs) yes now we're in my territory (laughs)
3: yes
4: (laughs) that one's Uh, for you greg
1: (laughs) listen listen let me let me be very clear with you
2: Johnny is chiming <laughs> someone... in uh Johnny is chiming in the chat Johnny hosts a uh basketball podcast and he is saying that Hoop Dreams is excellent it's an so excellent I just, I just film to
3: point that out yes it's really really great so Matt what are your thoughts on Bring It On
1: <laughs> as someone who grew up to marry a cheerleader I am very much on board with Bring It On
3: <laughs> yes <laughs> yes they really do some excellent stunting in that movie it's <laughs> a
1: fun movie too like I, I that I think that's the biggest part about it is like it's not just about the cheerleader. Like, it's just, it's fun. Like, you have fun with it the entire time.
3: Yes. In fact, it has one of my favorite um, kind of romance scenes. It's where they're brushing their teeth together. And that kind of, like, awkward, like, does the so-and-so like me? I just really, and it's all silent of them brushing <laughs> yeah. their teeth. It's a wonderful, wonderful scene. Okay. And then my last one, so I'm sure you know this story, but as someone who did not, um, Lab has a podcast on called The Punchline, which is about the John Scott story, which is so... I love John Scott. Yes, this is uh, someone who's not a huge sports person. It is riveting, and what I liked about the Radiolab broadcast is it's for, you know, people like me who know nothing about sports, so it gives all the context and explains it, but tell me your thoughts on the John Scott story, because this was going to, pre-pandemic, they were in kind of pre-production to make it a movie. Disney has optioned his book, whatever it's called, A guy, uh, guy Like Me, or...
1: Yeah, so John Scott is... Um... Well first and foremost he has his own podcast so i I suggest checking that out however keep in mind that um, for anybody who's listening to this that is uh, that is used to uh, the 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 views and everything that you get on uh, your guys's podcast the hockey world is a very different world so understand that he's hanging with the boys genuinely speaking he's a, he's a pretty good dude but understand hockey's a bit different in that aspect um so <laughs> Listener discretion is advised at that point. Thank might you. That
0: like, yeah, might be like... a little bit, uh, you know, problematic. You know, yes, <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put
1: it. That's a very good way to put it. Um, Love it, Craig. Love it. Most, most anything that that's related to hockey can have can have some problems with it. But John Scott, uh, he was a shark for a while, and, and the Sharks are my team. Um, I've I followed them since the beginning of my fandom, and um, he was a guy that you always loved to see. On on the TV, on you know, listening to 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 interviews or anything else, because he's genuinely funny and he's genuinely a good dude, and he has, um, I I'm I'm pretty sure he has uh, some um, some mental illness uh, issues that surround him as well. I mean, anybody that's an enforcer in the NHL or made their living being a punching bag, literally, um, is bound to have um, some some head trauma um, that's involved. But he's such a good dude, and the way that he went out—the um, last thing that happened to him in the NHL—and maybe this is what you're referring to, maybe not. But John Scott was basically ostracized from the NHL, um, and they—they they didn't like him. They every year, for whatever reason, there's always a um, uh, a campaign in the NHL to bring a goon to the to the All Star Game started with brad may back in like 2001 um and the nhl had enough of it and when john scott was nominated to be in the nhl game the nhl forced the the then phoenix coyotes i believe to basically terminate his contract and send him to the minor league so he wouldn't be eligible to play yeah and the fans lost it lost it and demanded it and and went on an absolute tirade like it was it was crowdsourcing at its finest yes (laughs) at its finest it's
3: it's where like reddit and sports meet in this story it's totally fascinating yeah
1: and not only did they they bring him to the all-star game they stuck him on a line with his two former san jose sharks teammates joe pavelski and brent burns and they made him look amazing. The dude ended up in like three or four games of the All Star tournament. Ended up having like the most goals, uh, ridiculous amounts of assists. He won MVP, and this just this baller car from it. Like they, they the NHL ended up because they realized how bad it looked eating a bunch of crow for it but his teammates took care of him man it was so cool to see and that's the kind of thing that you going back to the movie at the same time you see that in hockey a lot because it's such a warrior sport like you go through these trenches with with the people that are your are your friends your brothers they are your family at that point and when you get a chance to lift up somebody in your in your household you lift them up and they did literally they put him on his shoulder on their shoulders and touted him around the ice when he won MVP. It was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, John Scott, man, I love that, man. He's, he's a, he's a genuine good dude. Uh, highly suggest checking, checking out anything he's got to do with.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Steven in the chat is letting us know that the name of the podcast is dropping the gloves with John Scott. Um, and it's available where you can find podcasts. <laughs>
1: Steven's corner, that's he's a, he's the mod over in my channel and he is a god level mod. He is fantastic. He's also awesome at dropping information like that. Thank you, Steven.
3: Thank you. Yeah, um I, I just one story about hockey Matt, for you. You might I didn't realize Sharks were your team. I once uh, took a flight with them. They were on the same plane uh, flying wow. In, within California and you know I was like walking over to sit down waiting for your remember when we got on planes remember what that actually yes. was like? Uh, I, mean, people so, are, so, I, mean, I know yeah. right oh yeah right. <laughs> so anyway I'm like walking over to sit down and I'm like why is everyone so giant right I, I'm 5'10 <laughs> I'm a big girl right and I'm like who are these giant people and I and they all were in suits and I was like what is going on? So I kind of looked on all their luggage tags basically to figure out who they were and it was the sharks. <laughs> That's cool.
1: Yeah. That's really cool.
3: And I just kind of <laughs> stared at them in the, you know, like they're just giants. <laughs> it was really fun. Uh,
2: they're so Cara, cool made, too. <laughs> that made me think of a joke that I saw recently because I've been uh, finding things that I can like halfway watch while I'm dozing and my son is like sleeping and not sleeping. So I've been rewatching old episodes of Cheers. <laughs> and in the in like the first season of Cheers, there's a scene where there's this guy who's a big old loudmouth who keeps coming into the bar and talking. He's a New Yorker, who keeps talking crap about Boston and he's trying to get Carla's goat. And Carla like keeps resisting him but he's like he goes after the Bruins at one point. He's like, oh, hockey, did I hit a nerve? The Bruins are a bunch of sissies. The Bruins are terrible. And then he's, he's about to walk out of the bar, and this ginormous man stands up and puts his arm around and says, I wish you hadn't said all that about the Bruins. He goes, what, are you a Bruins fan? He goes, nah, I'm a Bruin.
4: Let yeah. me walk
3: you
2: to your car. <laughs>
3: All right, do, uh, do, do folks have... have other recommendations? Yeah, Colin, uh, do you have any? I do. Hold
2: on one second. Let me get my uh, propaganda going here.
4: <laughs> uh...
2: Uh... Anyway.
3: Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, wait, one more time, one more time. <laughs> oh, Wes. <laughs> West.
2: Okay. Um, so I'm glad that uh, Matt was talking about how difficult it is to be an enforcer in hockey and the way that that can mess with you because I want to talk about it. Diff- I want to recommend another hockey movie that I'm hoping someday Matt will come back to join us for. It is a movie called Goon. Yes. Um, where uh, <laughs> Sean William Scott plays a hockey enforcer where on the ice he is just a thug like this absolute enforcer but off the ice he is the biggest sweetest teddy bear the human being you'll ever see in your life he is the nicest guy in the world off the ice but on the ice he's an enforcer and it's about how he has to like marry these two things and it is a legit really funny movie with a lot of heart and a lot of character to it so someday we i hope matt will join us to uh come back and talk about goon Uh, i would love to uh, other than that um there was like these uh Press conference scenes with uh, Coach Herb, which made me think of a, <laughs> a sketch on uh, Super Ego called Coach Helszevack, where people will just be throwing questions at Matt Gorley as Coach Helzebeck and he just improvises nonsense, be like, "Well, you're just a bunch of walk around dandies who want to get into like so. Just go on to YouTube and look up Super Ego Coach Helszevack, just to, to see some really good improv around the centered around." people asking questions to a coach and they're just making up nonsense to be funny. So those are going to be uh, my recommendations.
0: Um, let's see, I will recommend some, uh, I don't know, something sports, but not really sports. Uh, <laughs> so like there's The League, uh, which is a fantasy I don't know what football. that is, everyone else is nodding. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, it, was a, it was a show, <laughs> a show on uh, FX and I think it's on Hulu currently um but it's got like uh some of the folks from how did this get made that uh podcast that both Colin and I listen to regularly um it's got Paul Shear and Jason Metzikas and uh I think June Diane Raphael is a guest in some of the later seasons too um but it's like a group of friends with like their fantasy football league um but like None, the show is just about them all being assholes to each other. It's not really about yeah, it,
2: It's much more a like Always Sunny in Philadelphia type show that's yeah. like vaguely <laughs> about fantasy football. Yeah.
3: yeah, going back to the like romance as a genre, it's like a lot like sports like as a genre. I don't understand people who love fantasy football, but don't understand fan fiction. I'm like it's, isn't this the same <laughs> thing? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> these are the same activities. <laughs> every time someone tells me about their fantasy football team i'm like oh you're a Raylo like me
4: right I just-
3: <laughs> uh
0: yeah that's uh that's all i can really think of uh in the sports <laughs> realm of things
3: <laughs> nice matt do you have recommendations for us
1: yeah sure um you know Colin. <clears throat> Cullen- Kind of stole my thunder on the on the uh, on the the goon because that one is uh, is a very good hockey movie as well. Also based on a true story, um, with a lot of small inner in, uh, details to it as well uh, that take place in real life. But if for me, uh, a couple that I can recommend, if you haven't seen something like Mystery Alaska, I highly recommend going and checking out Mystery Alaska. Uh, it's that, a fun movie.
3: Is that the one with Russell Crowe?
1: yes i
3: do like that movie yes
1: yeah it's a fun movie um the, i always it always gets quoted at me all the time when we're on the ice you're a big guy he's a little guy do something i'm like yeah okay um the um i one that i actually just recently watched a show that i just recently found out with my wife on apple tv is called ted lasso uh it's about a, a football coach in nebraska that gets hired to go coach football in England (laughs) and by football, I mean soccer. And it's, it's really funny, but it's really wholesome too. Um, The, the character of Ted Lasso is played by Jason Sudeikis and it's just, it's one of those things where like as as a sports guy, as someone who who grew up around coaches, my dad, I was a coach as someone who coaches myself now. um, It's really interesting to see, a, a show centered around a coach and not necessarily the team and the effect that he has on the team and not only just on their skills because that's not what this is about. He's like a, an American football coach trying to figure out how to play soccer. But the effect he has on the members of the team as human beings, that is what's really cool about Ted Lasso. Um, and I really highly recommend that. I don't I, I don't know. Uh, they're supposedly, you're supposed to have a season two but uh, first season was really well done. Um, you could see character growth and depth leaps and bounds in this movie or show.
2: It's, it's also been highly recommended to me. I have not had a chance to watch it yet because it's on um, Apple TV. But I, uh, in doing some research on it, it's also written by Bill Lawrence, who is the creator of Scrubs. Yes. And so what I've been hearing is that uh, Ted Lasso has the same kind of mixture of like, really good comedy, but also real heart that Scrubs had as a TV show.
1: Yes, I would. That's exactly how I would describe it. Yes.
2: Uh, looks like John in the chat
0: saying that season two and three have been greenlit. So there you go. Good news. Uh, oh, yeah. I also recommend one quick other one uh, the softball episode of Shit's Creek in season six. Yes. yes! Or yes! Five. yes! <laughs> it's a great episode. It great is. episode. Great. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure which episode it is, but uh, just watch the whole season and you'll you'll get just, to it. Just <laughs> yeah. watch all of Jitscreen. Watch the whole, watch, so, yeah, so, yeah, watch the whole, whole series. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> until you get to season five, and then yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, tell us a little bit about where people can find you, Matt. Uh, yeah, sure. I know you're on the Moral Combat Pod. Uh, let us know a little bit about uh, you know, your situation, social media and podcast wise.
1: Sure. Um, So I co-host the Moral Combat Podcast. We are a podcast uh, that frames pop culture tournaments where we take topics such as uh, best fast food restaurant or best Pixar villain or most recently what we're going through right now, the best MCU hero, and we form tournaments around them. We take 18 combatants, put them into a tournament grid, and then we argue matchups every week. And then at the end of each episode, Uh, And for the remainder of the week, people are allowed to vote on our website uh, for who they think is the better right now MCU hero. And then we, once the uh, actual matchups wrap, we do it again the next week until we crown a champion. Um, Right now we are in the semi-finals of the uh, MCU mashup. And uh, we are currently arguing about uh, Iron Man, Thor, a few of those others. And you can find all the information for us at our uh, website, which is moralcombatpod.com, or on our uh, social medias, which is everywhere: Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Moral Combat Pod. We also stream live on Twitch on my Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv/naturalhatrick. N T R trick T R I C K.
0: Right on! Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, so thank you again for joining us here. Thank you all uh, for coming. Uh, thanks for bringing some folks with you. That was awesome. Um, I had a
1: lot of fun, then. Yeah. thank you for having me. Yeah,
3: yeah. this was great. So. And Matt, thank you so much for like, this is not a genre I watch very often and I really enjoyed it, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: thank thanks. you for being open to it, it's a great movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thanks to everyone in the chat for your contributions throughout the show um yeah you can find us online we are on twitter and instagram at iwytwt uh you can find our website which is iwytwt.com we're here on twitch twitch.tv forward slash iwytwt um yeah we are everywhere that you listen to podcasts please 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 rate and review us Let us know what you think. As long as those things are good things, um, then we'll be okay. Thanks. We appreciate all of your positive feedback.
1: (laughs) Uh, If I could steal a line from my brother real quick. If you don't like Colin, Craig, and Taro, I don't know why you're still listening, but if you don't like them, Tell someone you don't like. Just spread the word. Like, hey, you know what? (laughs) This is is literally the way my brother ends every one of our episodes, by the way. I love
2: the way that that
0: your brother does that. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, You can find me individually on Twitter. I am at Catharticus. Colin, where are you at? I am at Colin Munch. Right on, right on. Uh, Tara is off doing her own thing in her own world.
3: I want to be left alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right on. Thank you all once again for coming and have a good weekend. Enjoy uh, the only sports thing that you will have to deal with today.
1: Hey, Craig, people uh, in the chat want you to know.
0: Yes. They can't hear us. I know. <laughs> I know. No. <sighs> so, <laughs> I, I don't think any of that was actually
2: recorded
0: wow my bad y'all i'm
2: not seeing the recording light on the zoom either so no uh, we might... yeah
0: no uh i had the <laughs> the outputs muted on the uh obs here so fun times. <laughs> everyone just missed that entire conversation that we had with oh! that here um <laughs> uh, oh my God.
4: hi johnny <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey johnny uh, yeah so you know this is what our fourth time doing this and you know we're still learning Um, Uh, uh, Ah, no (laughs) worries.